Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I am talking to the marvellous Anna Clements. Anna helps researchers get published and today we talk about what she's learned from her own experience um, of research but also her work as a journalist and she gives ideas of what you can start thinking about as you look towards publication. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Emma, so lovely to have you here. Um, I was just saying, I am very, very excited about this conversation because I've been stalking you online and <laughs> I am really excited about, about what you do. Um, and we're going to talk about publishing your work, which is a big thing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am really excited to get your, get your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm super excited to talk to you and share everything anything I can about writing and publishing amazing right you promised us everything that's that's what I'm that's what I'm that's what I'm taking (laughs) Um, but before that but before that not only do I want all the tips on um writing and publishing I also want all of your story too so can you tell us a bit about your PhD journey Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um how to sum it up. So I did my PhD in material science slash chemistry. So I come from a chemistry background, um, have a chemistry degree, and then officially got a PhD in material science, (laughs) even though I would say it was probably more uh, something between chemistry and physics, really. Um, And I did it in Sweden, um, in Gothenburg, uh, in at the West Coast. <laughs> um, so I moved for my PhD. Um, I'm, I grew up in Germany, um, did my undergraduate degrees there, and then moved to Sweden for my PhD. And it was very exciting <laughs> to move to a new country. And that's really what I wanted. Um, I'd been in Sweden before on like an Erasmus um, project um, in a different place, but um, I could speak the language a little bit already. And I was like, yeah, I want to try that. (laughs) I wanted to have a change and a challenge. Um, So I went there and I have to say things didn't pan out the way I had thought they would. Because <laughs> here I was with all my sort of, um, yeah, with this excitement and this like um, huge um, expectation that um, I would, uh, I don't know, just like research a really exciting topic. It was astrochemistry. So I, um, I would look experimentally at like surfaces and how water dissolves from different structured surfaces. Um, But the knowledge was to be put into what you call like astrochemical models to understand like what's happening in space, basically, because there are these small like ice grains (laughs) um, where things are happening, like molecules like water are like dissolving, adsorbing, all these kind of things. Um, so that was the plan. Um, but 
it was hard because <laughs> mm. um so I moved to a new country. I moved from a chemistry department where I did my master's and my master thesis to a physics department. So it was a bit of a different vibe. Some of the language was a little different. <laughs> I mean, the scientific language, if yes, that makes yes, sense. Yes, makes sense. Um, and I think the group was very heterogeneous at that point. Um, people were very reserved. There wasn't really a good like communal atmosphere at that time. And the worst thing was my supervisor. So (laughs) (laughs) I was very unlucky. And um, this person now hasn't had a PhD student since Um, I was actually allowed to change supervisors, me and also another PhD student um, who Basically, every PhD student shared this experience, um, but I didn't know. (laughs) This was what was so hard about the situation. Um, I started, nobody talked to me, basically. I got the most absurd instructions, and I was sitting in my little office (laughs) um, researching, not really knowing what my project would be, and um, having to work with, like, new machines, like... um, Everything, all these experiments were supposed to take place in ultra high vacuum. So I needed to learn these machines, but nobody was teaching me how to use them. Oh, God, it was absurd. I mean, looking back at it, like now I'm laughing about it, but it was very, very difficult. And um, only after a while, after I started talking to some other people, I realized this is not just me, but because this was my my immediate thought. Oh, it's me. Like, I'm just stupid. Mm. I should should be able to like figure out these machines. I'm like, oh my God, am I not? Like, (laughs) Mm. oh, I felt like an imposter as well. I was like, oh, did I like make them think I knew how to use these machines, you know, I was like, mm. oh, I, sh- I probably like, it was probably my fault, basically. Mm. Anyway, so things got better when I talked to other PhD students and it became clear that it was me who was the problem, but someone else. Yes, um, yes. And it got better then, but it was still a very hard fight. And I eventually got to change my supervisors. So I switched projects halfway through. And the way it works in Sweden is that you write a licentiate thesis about halfway in. So a licentiate is basically a mini PhD thesis. So you basically, it's basically to practice a little bit. Um, Yeah. How to defend a PhD. Like you have a defense as well. You get like an opponent, Mm -hmm. um, and you write a thesis that gets published. So you go through all the motions, basically. Mm. Um, and you can graduate, actually, after that as well. Um, but very few people do. Um, so I got to do this on the old project, and then I was allowed to switch. And, yeah, <laughs> it got definitely better afterwards. And um, I really actually enjoyed research, um, despite all those hurdles um and what what was really interesting um and I'd think um I mean it was kind of lucky in that way I mean I don't want to like relive this experience and I don't I totally don't think that you have to go through something hard or anything like that um to get to something good but what really what I really realized during that time especially during the first few years was that writing was my was really my refuge (laughs) This is where I thrived. 
because collecting data or get, even getting to the point of collecting data, then collecting data, then, I mean, everyone who <laughs> has done a PhD in science knows that you end up throwing a lot of the data in the bin mm, yeah. <laughs> um, that you never know. I mean, it's very, very frustrating work. You need a lot of patience and a lot of luck mm. and all those things. And, all, mm. and writing was exactly the opposite experience for me because when I was writing, I was like, um, suddenly I felt that my days like spending so many hours um, at the university were actually worth it. Like I was actually producing something. I saw something at the end of the day. I saw, oh, look, I wrote like, I don't know, well, a chapter or a section or two pages or I edited this bit. It was so like I suddenly had a result and that was so, so good for me. And I guess also I didn't realize until then that apparently I was quite good at writing because, I mean, this is what that I then realized through like the feedback I got. It wasn't like, you know, that, um, I mean, I didn't get much praise for it either, but it became still clear to me that I wasn't like, um, I didn't get too many edits and stuff like that on what I would write. Um, and uh, I also realized that this wasn't the case for uh, my colleagues. So other people really, really struggled with writing and found it horrible. And like for them, it was the worst time uh, during their PhD. And that was just like, yeah, kind of funny that for me, it was exactly the other way around. Oh, I love, I love this because it communicates in your voice, the warmth around writing as a refuge and that kind of creative, generative feeling of producing something and creating something and making something um because it can be all of those things um but as you say for some for some people it is it's really challenging to find that to find that place and to find that kind of groove really that you can yeah. to get into that um and I'm so sorry to hear about that experience and I, I'm sure that lots of people will relate to that that difficulty and kind of being dropped into um a PhD program. I mean, if you started a new job and they went, there's your office over there, see you in three years, people <laughs> wouldn't accept it, would they? They just wouldn't. No. You'd be up to HR. And but with, with a PhD, people put up with things um, and think it's them, think they like you did, think, oh, I, it must be me not understanding it. Well, no, why would you know how to use those machines? Why would you? You've just arrived. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so I think it's really, it's really, it's, it's awful to hear that you went through that, but really useful to 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 know that actually you could make a change and you've got a new supervisor and things got better. Um, and so if anyone is listening in that situation, know that change can happen. Yeah, it's definitely good to talk to people. Um, and I feel like your colleagues first, just like kind of probing a little bit, you know, but then in many universities in many countries, there are also other people one can talk to, like the, there's usually like heads of graduate studies or people like that, even ombudsman yeah. people um, that you can talk to and that can guide you a little bit yes. on the way. And something that I would definitely recommend people who are thinking to start a PhD, because this is something I really regret not doing 
I wasn't very discerning about who I would work with. So I would go, like for me, the project, like the scientific project was the most important thing. Um, I, I thought this project sounded so interesting, so fascinating, was something I really wanted to do. Um, and I wasn't very discerning about the, who I would work with and I didn't do enough research. And I would, I mean, it's so hard because you don't know, right? You don't know. Um, what to look for even. Uh, I only know that now, so (laughs) I don't really know. But it's really something I feel like master students or bachelor students who are thinking to do a PhD should be taught. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And exactly like you said, maybe just making contact with, you know, supervisors have who they're currently supervising. Mm -hmm. It's always worth just going... Oh, how are Absolutely. you finding it? How is this process for you as a as a supervisee? Yeah, um, yeah. really good advice. Really good advice. Um, but I want to really go into your zone of genius now in terms of in terms <laughs> of writing and helping people to get published. Because um, after this experience, you then went and became a, a science journalist, um, and so kind of have all that experience too. Um, mm-hmm. To tell us a little bit about. Um, what you have learned through journalism, through now working with people um, in terms of putting together good articles that get published. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I. what did I learn? So the main, the main takeaway, I think, for me has been that just how important stories are when you write. Um, and that basically is true for any piece of writing. So if you start noticing um, reading like magazine articles and newspaper articles, you usually find that they're kind of telling a story more or less, but depending a bit on the genre and the piece. Um, But the same is true also for scientific papers. In my opinion, they become a lot more readable um, when they tell a story. And this is really something I was able to refine um, through my work as a journalist, um, it was rather brief. It was just maybe a couple of years. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to, I guess, also quantify all the things I learned through there, but just the way, um, pieces are structured, just a few little nice (laughs) tricks, uh, Mm. when you write, um, how to really, I guess what I really learned is how important it is to look at something from the reader's point of view, because this is what my editors would then, um, or people who kind of mentored me uh, during that time would always point out when they were reading my work, they were like, yeah, here's where the reader, like here you need to give an example. Like you can't just say this without giving an example because the reader knows things, um, and I see this on scientific papers a lot. They're like, um, XYZ has many technological applications. And it kind of doesn't mean anything if you don't at least mention one <laughs> um, right. without at least mentioning like what, what are you talking about? Because otherwise it's basically it's basically a sentence with no meaning. Like there's no real information being transported. And I think um, it comes because people are obviously so deep into their research material Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. to them it's so obvious what that would be yeah Um, yeah yeah and and they want to share that with the world they want to get it out there but actually coming from that place where you are deep in it 
you don't, like you say, you don't think to, to see it from someone else's point of view because you'd think, well, why would they not know this? <laughs> yeah, I think you're hitting the nail on its head because this is exactly what I experience um, a lot when I work with people, with researchers, is... Um, so, so what I do basically developed a framework where I'm really um, helping, or that really helps researchers to identify the story of their um, of their study, so or of the paper they're writing. And in order to write a story, you really have to ask yourself some broader questions that the reader will ask themselves, especially readers that are just like slightly outside the field. Um, and most readers will be like nobody knows the research as no. well as you do. Um, yeah. And people really underestimate how easily it is, how easily you can throw off a reader um, by, I mean, a common thing apart from the story. I'm just <laughs> thought of another thing. A very common thing is also if you keep varying or if you keep using too many synonyms for one and the same things. And this is a very, very common misconception uh, many researchers have is that they think, oh, I need to describe, um, can I think of something? So, for example, if you called your sample, if you have like a nice abbreviation for your sample, and then in the next sentence, you refer to it not with the abbreviation you came up with, but with the sample or the model system. <laughs> right. And right. then it becomes just, I mean, this is just such a small change. And you probably think, oh, but yeah, of course, I mean, it's clear which sample I mean. But maybe you talked about a different sample beforehand, or maybe it isn't quite sure, the reader isn't quite sure that model system means sample. You know, like all these little things throw throw readers off and they just have to stop reading even if just for a millisecond and just like think oh okay and this means that it will be harder to read that paper um and maybe even it will mean that the reader misunderstands you um or that they will just stop reading it because they're like yeah I don't get I don't get it <laughs> I don't yeah. get it at all and I um, think this 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 sense of the story and of clarity it's really important in, in a journal article, of course, because you've got to be really concise. But it's mm -hmm. also equally as important for the, the bigger thesis, isn't it, in terms of yeah. having a clear narrative, making sure that your reader understands what you're trying to say, um, because your examiner is coming to this material fresh. They will have, obviously, a lot mm -hmm. of experience in the field, but they don't know what you've been doing and you're trying to communicate that. So I think this, this is, to me, it's like, yes, right, this makes sense. Narrative, clarity. Love it. Love it. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think it is for every reader, really. Like this, <laughs> what I teach has the sort of side effect of that it makes it easier to get your work published if it's written, as, especially in these like kind of high impact <laughs> journals. Yeah. yeah. Um, because this is what they're looking for. They want this concise story. Um, but also equally... You're doing your reader a favor, and I always think of it as like um, you're doing work for your reader. If you're writing clear, you're doing the work for your reader. Otherwise, your reader has to spend the time, spend the energy, <laughs> the focus to understand what you mean. Um, and that's, it's really, it's almost like a polite thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it is self-serving as well, of course, because then more people will read it, cite you, etc. But yeah, it's just, yeah, I think just 
reframing this a little bit and really thinking about, okay, how's my reader perceiving this will really improve of what you write, I think. And as you say, it's a kind of generosity of spirit, isn't it? But actually you get a payback from that too. <laughs> yeah. So if people, if people, if this is an article that people really understand and they can really get to grips with, as you say, that's the one they're going to use. That's the one they're going to cite. And then your citations mm-hmm. go up and mm-hmm. this, this is all good. There's a kind of, there's a, a, a virtuous circle going on. Um, yeah. And, and I think perhaps we should just touch a minute on why it can be useful to, to, to be um published even even why while you're doing your um while you're doing your phd research did you do you have people who come to you who actually are publishing even while they're working on their research oh yeah yeah um i think it depends on the field but in many fields in the sciences like natural sciences i guess you you basically have to have some (laughs) work published in order to, if you want an academic uh, career anyway, um, in order to get a job. And I think it really helps. And I think, I mean, it helps in terms of your career, obviously, but it also helps um, because if this is what you want to do, well, I I think it helps actually in many things. So if you want to become an academic or, at least try to be or whatever, like <laughs> um, get a postdoc position, um, then just having the opportunity to have learned how to write is really important. And in your PhD, you can like experiment maybe a bit more. Um, if you're lucky, <laughs> you get some more feedback um, from your supervisors or advisors or whoever. Maybe you can um, get... Uh, an academic writing course, something like that, right? You have just a few more like learning opportunities there. So I would definitely, um, if you can use this, um, make use of this. Um, But also really, I think trying to communicate your research and writing is a good exercise anyway, Mm. um, because you will you will see your research with a bit in your eyes, I think, and you will probably understand your research just a little bit better um, because you looked at it from a different perspective. And something that actually people have said to me um, who I've worked with, they said, oh, my research, my, my data is actually interesting. Right. Uh, <laughs> yes, I think I think it can be a, re, a re-energizing exercise can't it if you if you're delivering you know creating a conference paper or creating a journal paper like you say you look at it in a different way um and having I think as you say kind of having um put it out there there's a process isn't there to publishing a journal article where you it will go to an editorial team and you will get feedback on that and that can be really really useful yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, having a published article when you come to your Viva is really useful because yeah. it shows your examiners that your peers value your work. Yes. And so I think it is really worth, really worth getting getting that getting that. And it, in some countries, you can even um, write like I think it's called a cumulative um, PhD yes. thesis. Yes. Where, and this is actually what I did, and you just. I don't know, different universities, different requirements, but you have to have a certain number of papers published and then you just write an introduction. Yes. Um, and that's actually, I think, a very nice way. 
Yes, no, and it, absolutely. There's lots of people in the UK doing that, I, I know. Um, so those kinds of people are really going to feel the pressure then. I've got to get my papers published. I've got to in order to um, get my PhD. Mm-hmm. So do you have any advice for those people who are sitting there going, my goodness, I need these papers out there? Yeah, um, it, it's, I mean, as much as I enjoyed writing myself and you said many um, many researchers many PhD students academics do not enjoy writing and that's really (laughs) breaking my heart a little bit Um, but so I want you to know that there is a way I think for most people to actually enjoy writing and writing is something that is hard um, for all of us Um, and I think there is very little a training usually in academia when it comes to writing and it's kind of treated like writing a paper is kind of treated as something um that is just like part of the job like everyone knows how to do it like they like we get trained on the research a lot and then it says yeah and then you write it up like as if <laughs> writing it up mm-hmm. isn't a whole like kind of art form in itself yes. and also a, a skill, right? And a skill yes. that you can learn. And yes. what I see, especially among PhD students, is they get told, okay, it's time to write a paper now. <laughs> so then they open like a Word document or LaTeX or whatever. And then they're like, okay, <laughs> there's this blank page. So what shall I start writing? I'm not sure. And then they end up procrastinating on the writing process. And um, it's, I, I mean, I do, I, I want to say it's not your fault that if you feel this way, it's very normal and it's not your fault because I think this is kind of what happens where nobody ever kind of tells you how to actually write. And actually, <laughs> even in academic writing courses, I feel that I've seen um people very rarely talk about the process of writing. They very rarely tell you, okay, this is step one and this is step two and this is step three. And some researchers, some PhD students are actually lucky because they have a supervisor who has a process um, kind of um, brought down for them that they use and that then they kind of teach their their PhD students. Um, But very many people don't, don't get this. So where was I going with this? Um, yeah, I just wanted to say it's, it's, it is very, very difficult. Well, I'm sorry, I forgot your question again. I guess. Well, I was just asking about, the, you know, the people who are sitting there going, I've got to get this published. Mm. Um, what advice would you have in terms of approaching journals, in terms of, um, yeah, of, of kind of getting those wheels in motion? to get your work out there Mm -hmm. so I would definitely say talk to your supervisor or advisor like whoever there is like get as much um guidance and advice from them as possible like really um talk to them because they will know they will know which journal um your work will be suitable for um, most likely they even have some in mind because this is very very difficult for a PhD student who isn't so familiar with like the whole field maybe just yet. Yes. Um, it's very hard to judge um, where a certain um, set of data or a certain study can go. Um, yes. And 
ask, 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 because um, other people will have a better idea of it. Um, yeah, that would that would be that would be my tip for like getting started. Yes, because I think it, it's that recognizing that different journals are going to have different house styles. Mm-hmm. They're going to be looking for different things. They're going to be looking for different lengths, and you need to be smart about that because if you start, if you, especially in the humanities, if you're publishing under a certain length you know over a certain length has more value is seen in a very different light than others um so kind of <laughs> being smart about that I think you're absolutely right in terms of doing your research getting advice and where do you think this work will be well placed and you do have to think I think a little bit like a journalist don't you in terms of where where will my work be well placed where's the best kind of editorial support that I'm going to get so that you're able to um move this forward it's a very strategic decision, really. Yes. Um, yes. I, I mean, I can't speak for the humanities so much, but in the natural sciences, you um, what, what people, <laughs> what scientists usually do is like they go like, oh, I want to publish this in the journal with the highest impact factor. Like each journal has like a, yeah. well, most journals have a journal impact factor. Yeah. It's usually, and that's um, equates um, roughly to how how much how many citations they get. And um, then (laughs) the, yeah, so that is like one factor that you want to keep in mind, of course, like is um, your H index, um, which is also then a measure of the journal impact factors you have published in and how much citations you've got, et cetera, um, will depend on that. So that has some importance for your career, but it's really not the only factor um, and I think way more important, especially if you want this not to drag on for like ever and ever, <laughs> um, think about the readership. So who's actually reading this? Because many high impact journals have broader readerships, like broader audiences, they're covering several fields and really thinking about, okay, is this actually interesting to all of those people? Or is there a place where it actually will be will be attracting a much better readership? And mm. then also, if you go, go to a journal that people who are actually interested, that people who are actually interested in your research uh, look, then you'll be actually more likely to get your work cited. So you can kind of push it from that angle again. Yes, 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 yes. And and very many high-impact journals have really long times to, um, like, the the, um, peer review and the editorial decisions um, in these big journals, they can take really long time. There's actually a website... What's it called? I can look it up later. There's a website. It's kind of new and it's kind of like a collaborative website where people can report um, their editorial um, uh, experiences with different journals. Ah. And that's really interesting. It isn't very big yet, but um, there's some... Uh, there's some data uh, there and it's very interesting because then you get like a feel for, oh, this is actually going to take me, may Mm -hmm. take three months to even get like a desk reject or like 
Yes. Something like that, that like yes. that takes time. So like really it's a strategic decision because you need to think about, okay, how much time do I have? Do I maybe want to, do I have enough time so I can kind of go to a journal that is maybe a bit of a stretch where I think they may actually reject it, but I'm just going to try because I have the three months to wait for their decision. <laughs> or do I not have the time? Do I, is my PhD coming up in half a year and I really want this published by then? Okay, then maybe we go to a different journal where it's more likely to get accepted and where that maybe it's really fast. Like there's some journals that um, are really fast. Yes. Yeah. Well, and when we say really fast, we mean a few months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Remember, academia pace is glacial. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, awesome. That's so helpful. So helpful. Anna. so we thought about, um, kind of translating your work and starting to think about if you want to publish it you're going to have to translate this work and make it really um reader friendly and then also thinking about the, the kind of the, the the mechanics and the logistics of the publication process itself and thinking about how you approach that so much good stuff there mm-hmm. um so out of all of that then <laughs> I'm going to ask you for a top tip or something that people can take away and kind of get going on Okay, um, my top tip is that something I mentioned earlier, putting yourself in your reader's shoes. Mm. So what my recommendation is, is to whenever you read a paper in your field, um, reflect on your own reading experience. So really think about Think about it, (laughs) like kind of analyze while you're reading how easy or how difficult the read is. Um, And whenever you get stuck, kind of maybe mark the sentence or the paragraph that you don't understand. And then really try to analyze, okay, what is it about this that uh, got me stuck here? Um, And I think this is going to be so, so helpful for you to improve your writing because um, you'll... I think you'll understand better what to do and what not to do. I mean, equally, if you find a paragraph or a phrase um, that you really like, like make a record of that. Like I really recommend having a document somewhere, um, like a phrase bank, uh, where you collect phrases, even like whole sentences that you really just liked, you know? Um, I mean, whole sentences, like be careful with like uh, plagiarism, like we don't want to plagiarize, but this is more about, okay, I like this. And more to get the idea of, okay, I, I really love how the sentence is structured. Um, this is something I want to kind of save because otherwise, yeah, it's very easy to, to read something, really like it, and then forget about <laughs> forget about it. So yeah. building up this, this little data, um, yeah, this little phrase bank, I think. Oh, I love useful. it. A phrase bank. I love it. Like It's like an academic magpie. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Love that. Love that. Oh, Anna, thank you so so much. Um, I know you've you've got so much wisdom on this, and so much experience, and 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 materials that you offer to help people with this. And we will have all of that in the in the show notes. Um, thank you for for the work you do, and for kind of opening up the mysteries of how to get published. <laughs> um, and thank you all for listening. Yeah, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure.